Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 110 of Growth Marketing Today. I am your host, Ramley John. And today we have Sid Barat. For most startups with product market fit, identifying and scaling your top growth channels is crucial to taking a company to the next level. And in this episode, I have Sid, who has scaled Thinkific and Lemistan, which was acquired by MailChimp, as the first marketer. And he shares his five-step framework to identifying your top growth channels. In episode 110, you'll learn first, a framework for identifying your best channels instead of spraying and praying. Second, how to build a system for running growth instead of wasting your time figuring out what to do each day. And third, a methodical roadmap for scaling your team and marketing channels. And before we jump in, I have created a free growth cheat sheet with all the actionable tips from this episode in a one-page PDF. You can take all the notes from this podcast and you can apply it to your business and help it accelerate its growth faster. Now, why take notes when you can just steal mine? You can go to growthtoday.fm forward slash 110 to get it now, or you can find that link in the description. Get it now because I take it away after the next episode is published next week. So you essentially have only seven days before this cheat sheet goes away. I also want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now, this folks helped cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts like Sid on this show that you and I can learn from. So thanks to 42 Agency, they work with high growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue and marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. Now you can learn more and actually get $500 in free consulting time. You can visit them at growthtoday.fm forward slash 42. That's number 42. That's find that link in the description as well. Enough about me. Let's jump into my chat with Sid. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to chat with Sid. We actually met for coffee before all this thing <laughs> went down. And, you know, incredibly smart, dude. How's it going, Sid? How are things with you? Hey, Emily. How's, how are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm super excited to be on the podcast. Been uh, been listening for a long time. And, uh, you know, now I finally get to be on it too. So that's great. Yeah, I know. I'm super excited. It's morning there. You're based out of Vancouver. What do you usually have uh, for breakfast? Uh, just a random ball. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm drinking it right now. It's my morning smoothie before I hit the, hit the gym. And it's basically got uh, almond milk, banana, uh, blueberries, and then a uh, combination of like protein powder, uh, you know, creatine and collagen powder. Yeah. Wow, that's legit. So you're going to go to the gym right after this podcast recording? Right after the podcast, yep. Shoot, man. Thanks for joining the podcast before you get <laughs> to the gym. <laughs> no, no. It's, Gotta it's get good you pumped up. I, I do it, um, I, it. Usually in the mornings is my sort of like creative time where I'm like doing like maybe reading, writing, that kind of stuff. And then uh, 11 o'clock is when I usually go to the gym at Pacific time. Oh. And then I'm back for lunch because I don't eat anything. I mean, aside from the smoothie before. Same. Yeah, I usually don't eat breakfast, just coffee. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's jump in. Let's talk about growth. Yeah. Let's talk about marketing. This uh, podcast called Growth Marketing Today. I want to hear your journey first. You know, you've you've worked at some really interesting places, and you know, you're now uh, growth consultant, and you're actually doing something uh, really cool. I think you're you're you have a still mode startup, but you know, what's your what's your journey so far with with growth, and you know, how has, has it shaped your career? 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, I kind of stumbled into growth uh, and, and marketing because I used to be a software developer. Oh. I have an engineering degree. And um, the, the reason I stumbled into marketing was because I had gone to Chile, South America, uh, as part of a program called Startup Chile, where the government funds entrepreneurs. It's like Y Combinator. And uh, I was trying to build an app for travelers, like to be able to book tours and trips when you visit Chile. And so after I built that app, I, I realized I needed to market it and get people to actually use it. So that's how I kind of started learning how to market and promoting that. And initially it was just like, I was, I heard about content marketing and, and um, social media marketing, you know, it was a big thing back then. And I, uh, I, I enjoyed writing as a, as a kid. So I thought, okay, this, this could be something I, that's easy for me to do. So I started doing that. The, the soft, the company didn't really, the startup didn't really work out, but I, I started to enjoy doing this marketing stuff, like creating content and, uh, uh, for, for companies. So I started to do more freelance work around that. Um, I wanted to continue traveling the world, doing the whole digital nomad thing. And so it was an easy way for me to make money while I was traveling. So I started working with a bunch of different companies, uh, just creating content for them. I found them online and uh, built up myself as like a sort of a freelance, you know, content marketer. Um, and then I came back to Canada and through some of my work that I'd done, because I'd published some posts on Unbounce and, and a few other sort of big names in the marketing space. And a company called Lemonstand in Vancouver uh, got in touch with me. And uh, initially, I was just doing some content for them. And they said, hey, do you want to come on full-time and be like a marketer, right? Because they didn't have any marketing. Lemonstand's an e-commerce platform as a competitor to Shopify back then. They're, they were acquired by MailTrip recently. Um, so anyway, I moved out to Vancouver and I started working with them. Uh, I did a year there. Uh, you know, it was mostly a lot of content, but I started doing some ads. I started using partnerships. Um, and then I moved to Thinkific, which is an online course platform. And there I was, a, I was the head of marketing, you know, the VP of growth. So that was a really good one because we, we grew very rapidly during my time over there. I spent about two years. Um, when I joined, I, was, I think it was employee number six or seven. Uh, 20k MRR, and then you know by the time I left, it was like almost 400k MRR. Um, and my the company was at 60 people, you know, and uh, my marketing team was about 10 people. So you know that was a really good experience for me. And then I started doing consulting for other companies after that. That's super cool, man. Uh, that's a great journey. Uh, I've been trying to do that whole digital nomad. <laughs> Someday, someday. Well, um, I, I want to talk a little. Let's talk about growth and let's talk about growth channels. You know, you talked about Thinkific and how it grew. I, I looked at your LinkedIn when you worked there. I think you were employee number seven, right? Yeah. And yeah, it, I think maybe six or seven. Yeah. And then you pretty much twenty x MRR there while while the VP of growth and you know you've helped out a bunch of companies uh, scaling growth channels. Mm-hmm. I think the question that a lot of folks have, a lot of marketers have, is how do you identify which growth channels to focus on first uh, for clients? And you know, maybe interestingly, what did you focus on at Thinkific at the at the beginning? Yeah, no, that's a good question, and that's actually like sometimes this is what clients come to me for is is yeah. how do I figure this out, especially when they're in early stage. And I have this framework that I developed after I did it at Think Thinkific and and a few other consulting clients. I started to develop a framework like just apply to any SaaS. And basically the framework goes like this. It's the first step is really understanding the customer persona, right? So, and I think people, people know this, um, 
on a deep level, but they don't really spend a lot of time doing it because, you know, you're doing this work around like understanding the customer persona. It doesn't necessarily translate directly into MRR, right? But it's very important to do because it's the foundation of what later would translate into MRR. So I always start with like really understanding and not just like, you know, it, it's not like the basic, like, you know, uh, how old is this person kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it's more like, where are these people online? Right? Like which channels are they really frequently uh, going to? Do they spend a lot of time on Facebook or Instagram? In which case that could be a potential, right? Like do they spend a lot of time on Snapchat? So really understanding where their attention is, uh, is very important here because then we can decide later on which channels to to test out and to experiment, right? Because if they're not spending time on a certain channel, then we're not going to try that one. So that to, uh, to that question of how do you decide, it starts with, understanding where those customers are. And the second thing is, you know, how, like, how do they go through this journey of deciding what, deciding to buy your product? I deal with SaaS companies typically, right? And so the journey for like, say a software is, you know, it's not like any someone's waking up in the morning and saying, oh my God, I really need a procurement software or online course software. It's, uh, it, it, they go through a journey of, you know, becoming aware of a problem that they have in their lives or their business, um, understanding what solutions there are to solve that problem, and then understanding what products are available to implement that solution, and then making a decision on that product, right? So you go through that journey, and each stage of the journey, you're thinking about different things, you have different questions, you have, um, you're doing different things, right? And so once you if you can try to map that journey out, I mean, you'll just need to talk to your customers about this and try to figure out how they move through that journey. That's when you can also de- determine what kind of messaging is going to be important. Uh, which channels can you reach them depending on which stage of the journey they are in? That kind of thing. And so those two pieces, understanding the customer persona and then the customer journey, allows us to start to figure out which channels we should work on. Right. So then the third, the third piece is kind of like, compiling all this information and, and coming up with a list of channels that we should be experimenting with. Could be Facebook, could be blog content, it could be Google ads, whatever, right? So we come up with that list. And then um, usually I prioritize the channels that are that where people are closer to the sort of decision point. So usually where people are product aware, solution aware, versus when they are, you know, problem aware or even problem unaware. Uh, because those people are, you know, you don't need to convince them that they have a problem. They already know it. And they already convinced that they need a solution, right? So it's easier there to just convince them that your product is a better one than the others. So I start with that. And then I sort of like, you know, move backwards as we, you know, launch a channel and, and sort of saturate that channel or automate that channel. Um, and then it's a very systematic process, right? You do, you, you set up a channel, you run it. If it works, great. You keep, you, you know, you try to scale that up. Uh, and then move on to the next one. Or if it doesn't work, you put it aside and you know move on to the next idea. I really like that. Thanks for, for sharing that. I love details like that. First of all, I, I really love how you focus on the user first because often what I hear, especially when you're a consultant, would be like, you know, people, founders or, or other marketers come to you. It's like, oh, I just heard of this latest growth hack. Can, yeah, can yeah. we do it? Can we do this for us? Right. It, what do you what do you say to those folks? Like, you know, here, let's let's uh Let's do this latest growth hack with uh, TikTok or I don't know what the latest thing is. Yeah, exactly. And I, I give them... So I have these like... I have the whole the framework on my blog and I have these templates and I, I share that with them and say, hey, here's the full framework, right? Like 
this is this is kind of the way I go about marketing and my sort of philosophy on marketing. And if you you know if you're if you're just trying to look for like the quick easy silver bullet, I'm not the person for you, mm. right? Um, yeah. And and like yeah, you, these people will come. You know, you hear. I don't know, some influencer talking about Snapchat or TikTok and they're like, oh my God, it's the next big thing. But if your customers are not there, there's no point like wasting time, right? And I'm not going to try doing that because then I won't get the results that you're looking for. And then I'll get a, like, that'll be a hit on my reputation. So I'd rather not, or I'd rather like direct the conversation towards my philosophy and then get them to understand how to actually go about it and then do things my way. That's good. That's totally good. I, I have a few follow-up questions to, to your framework. The first one is how do you, what does your research look like for figuring out where customers hang out online? Like, do you, you know, check out Reddit? Like, where, where do you figure out like where uh, a company's customers are online? Yeah, I, we, I talk to them. Always uh, do a bunch of interviews, customer cool. interviews, set them up. If you've got a few of them, if you're lucky enough to already have customers. Um, otherwise, if you don't, then uh, you could sort of, um, you'd have to like maybe make some assumptions, but you could look at say certain groups online. Uh, there are maybe Slack channels, Facebook groups, Reddit sub subreddits or or forums where you think your customers um, typically are, and maybe just go in there, um, try to scan through the posts to see what are they what chat what they are talking about, or um, or maybe like um, you know just ask people in these forums. That totally makes sense. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how you like go after the channels. Do you focus on one channel first, or do you focus on three channels at the beginning? Like, what? How do you start that off? Yeah, this is a, a resource problem. So if it's just mm. if it's just me, or if it's a small company, um, uh, you know, maybe just one other marketer, then it's it's best to just focus on one channel um, and see if that's working. And if it is, then just like kind of get it to a point where it's. Maybe it's sort of running with as little input as possible or as right. little work so that you can free up some time to work on the next channel. But if you have more people, then yeah, run multiple, you know, three channels at a time if you can, right? If you've got more marketers. Three channels make sense. Like, let's say that you have unlimited resources. Would you test out like 20? Like, what is the upper limit to, you know, which channels you would focus on? Yeah, good question. I, I, I mean, I've never come across a situation where there are unlimited resources. <laughs> Here's all the money um, in the world. <laughs> Right, yeah. Like unless you're you're Brex and you can buy a cafe or something. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I mean, I would still say maybe like go go try to do as many as you can uh, without like you know as long as you as long as you know that you can go full steam ahead on each one of them. Mm. Right. Like so, instead of doing you know twenty half assed you do 10 full ass. Am I allowed to say that word in the Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah. We're, we're adults. <laughs> when we come back in just a moment, Sid shares the exact webinar strategy that he used at Thinkific as a primary growth channel. Just a quick thanks to our sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. A 42 Agency works with high growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. They've worked with some amazing companies like OnFleet, HubDoc, GuestLogic, Flexday, and more. And to top it off, I actually know the founder of 42 Agency, Camille Rexton. 
and he knows his stuff. So go reach out to him. You can, he's actually offering a free $500 consulting time for Grow Today listeners. You can visit them at growtoday.fm forward slash 42 or find the link in the description. It'll, it'll redirect to their, this special offer. One more thing. Don't forget to download the free Grow Cheat Sheet for this episode. It has all the actionable tips from this episode in a one page PDF. Why take notes when you can just steal mine? You can take all the actionable tips from this episode and apply it to your business to accelerate the growth even faster. You can find the link in the description of this show. Download it now before I take it away because it'll only be up until next week. Enough about this. Let's jump back into my chat with Sid. I want to talk a little bit about the piece about knowing when to move to the next channel. You talked about how, you know, once you uh, have as little input as possible, that's when you move on to the next channel. Do you look at other things like, you know, like we've tapped, we've tapped out this channel. Uh, we should move on to the next channel. How, how do you know when you should move on to exploring other channels? Yeah, great question. So um, I'll take, I'll give you an example. When I was at the Thinkific, one of the early tests we did was like webinars with influencers. Mm. and. Uh, we uh, we were doing maybe one a week and it was working well. Every time we do a webinar, we get a whole bunch of like new email signups and then we actually get sales at the end of the webinar. And so we said, all right, we're doing one a week right now. Is there a way we can do two a week, five a week, you know, 10 a week? And the answer was yes, why not? You know, you can, if you, if you, if we reached out to more influencers and set up more, then we could absolutely do that. So then we mapped out, okay, what does it take to do that? Right. And all the steps involved, we either try to automate some of them. So for example, or templatize, right? So for example, setting up the webinar landing page, um, that was a template, right? Like we'd follow the same design pattern. Uh, um, setting up the email follow-ups from the webinar, that was automated. We just set up, set them up in an email system. But the part that we couldn't templatize or automate was the stuff about getting in touch with the influencers in the first place. Right. right? We tried doing some like these, you know, outreach, cold outreach and automating that bit, but it wasn't, it wasn't very personal. So we weren't getting the best results. So the, the key to that, those influencer webinars was to actually build a relationship with these inf- influencers and talk to yeah. them and that kind of stuff, get on calls with them before they even agreed. Right. So we said, okay, that's a lot of manual work. And um, if I'm doing that, me personally, as the head of marketing there, then I don't have time to do any other or, you know, do any other experiments or try anything else. But we also knew that like it was totally a, a channel that's, that was worth it. Like if we were doing five a day or uh, five a, a week um, and someone was working on it full time, that would still be a positive ROI for us. So we said, let's just hire someone. Let's hire someone whose entire job is to go connect with influencers, build relationships, get them to get interested in our platform, get them to promote our platform, get them to promote our webinars. Um, and that's what we did. And so to the question of, you know, how do you know uh, when to scale, when it's saturated. I think that, um, like you can, you, you, you try to like figure out, okay, right now, how much are we doing? How much input are we giving it? And how much, what's the output? And if we want more output, does that mean that we need more input? Right. Mm. Um, so you'd be like, all right, can we even do more output? Yes or no. Um, and then if we can, then how much more input do we need? Right. Uh, so for example, something like, um, ads, for example, if I'm, if I'm doing ads and my budget is set to a thousand dollars a day and the, the ads are only getting 
you know, are running out at like $900, that means you're saturated that channel, right? Like it's just not hitting our budget. So no matter how much more input we put, we're just not going to get more output, right? Um, so, so like that's an example, but the other, you know, like the webinar example is we were doing one a day and we could easily have done five a day. No, that, that totally makes sense. You're thinking about inputs and outputs. That's a great way to look at uh, channels. I want to talk about webinars because there's a, you know, with, with what's happening with pandemic, a lot of people have gone online and done virtual events. And I've, I've got to be frank, a lot of them suck. Right? <laughs> a lot of webinars are not good. And mm-hmm. people sign up for it. They like, I want to know what, how, what you guys, what, what were you doing there at Thinkific that made the webinar such a good experience enough that it was such a, a sustainable uh, channel for, for signups and growth? Yeah, I think it was, um, there's a bunch of combinations. Now, I, I feel like maybe there's, there could be like a, a bit of a, a webinar fatigue that is set in right now during the pandemic. True. So that might be one factor. Cause what I was doing, this was, this was, these webinars I was running for Think Effect, this was um, back in 2015, 2016, right? Um, so it was about like four years ago. But uh, I think what we were doing also was we were partnering with these folks who were influencers, right? Right. And not necessarily like super mega influencers, but like even folks with say, you know, 2,000 followers or email, uh, email addresses in their list. And these... These people had built these very sort of curated communities, right? Even if they were small. And so those members were very engaged. And so whenever the influencers would suggest something, they would, you know, kind of just blindly uh, follow that influencer. And so the influencer said, hey, come join me on a webinar with Thinkific. Then those folks were very engaged in the first place. And then to make it, to make the webinar worth their time, we, um, it wasn't like a sales pitch, right? The webinar wasn't right. a sales pitch. The webinar was very value um, adding. And usually we would go with something like how to create your online course, right? It was very yeah. specific to what we, our product was doing. And the idea was we would teach them um, some trip, tips or tricks during the webinar to get them excited about building an online course. And at the end, we would say, hey, you can, get the, you can build your online course with our platform for just like 99 bucks a month, right? Um, and so... Instead of like doing like, you know, boring product sort of overview and, and yeah. showing them what the product looked like, we didn't even show the product at all. No way. Oh, interesting. Like the entire webinar was around, it was first, we would start off with like really inspiring stories of course creators on the platform yeah. to get them into that, uh, more, more, you know, more feeling inspired. And then we would start to talk about the process of how to create an online course. And what I would do was, I would, aside from just like, you know, being a very kind of like bubbly and entertaining personality on the webinar itself and just showing a lot of excitement and energy and cracking jokes, I would also get them to do action. So I would say, hey, the first step at creating any course is to come up with like the core uh, concept. Like, what are you going to teach? What's your title? What's your topic? Right. And so I would get everyone to chat, to put in the chat. I'd say, hey, type out your, your niche, you know, type out what you're interested in, what you have an expertise in. And everyone would type it out, and then we would actually build, help them build, uh, come up with like the concept of what the what the what they're going to teach, right? The, the course title kind of thing. So I was getting people to do actual work, and so that means they were keeping that uh, engagement level, right? And then I would actually get them to make a small commitment during the mm. webinar. So I would say, "All right, now that you have your title, um, you know, 
here's how you build the, the course and I would give them some tips and I would be like, uh, most people are afraid to build courses because they think like the, building the course is the easy part, but the tough part is getting people to come and, and pay for your course and, and do and do the course, right? Um, and I would I would be like, most people just don't even begin to create the course because they're afraid of that later stage where they think no one's going to buy the course, right? So they just, they just never start. Um, and so, so I would say, I'm going to show you how easy it is to get students to your course. Uh, in fact, you can pre-sell a course without even creating it so that you have validation and you know that students will come. And to do that, what I'm going to ask you to do is now you're going to go post on your social media, your LinkedIn, your Facebook, your Instagram, this new title that we've come up with for your course and tell people that you're going to be creating it and ask them to comment if they are interested in being beta testers. So people would actually do this, right? And then before the end of the webinar, people would actually have other people commenting. And that was like, you know, once you've put it out there, like there's no going back, right? And you have people commenting, saying, I'm interested. And so it was just very easy for us at the end to be like, well, now you're committed. Now you have to create this course, use Thinkific and go build that course, right? So it was just, it was, it was a lot of, you know, the webinars you see today that are boring are, are very like one, one directional, right? Like there's a speaker talking and it's boring. The speaker's usually very monotonous and, uh, you know, there's no stories, there's no jokes, um, there's no interaction. The, the people listening don't have to say anything or do anything or do any exercises. Right. And then usually uh, more often than not, it's just like a, a very, very, your product demonstration, right? And it's like, you click here and then you do this and then you upload that. And it's like, <laughs> all right, I don't need to, you know? So, yeah. That's so good. I really like that. Like, I really like how, you know, webinars is a great way to engage with the community versus like, you're not doing a presentation in front of 5,000 people, right? You're actually, yeah. you can talk to them. I'm guessing that also improved conversion, right? A lot of these webinars where it's just like, hey, here's a product and they're very boring. They don't have stories. Yeah, People show up and they don't end up signing up, but you're actually pushing people to to, to act in that at the end of the day, that's, that's what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in, not in like a, a, a weird salesy way, but it's, it's very like, you know, we tailored the webinar content itself to, to bring them to that point of the next step of this webinar after you've learned all this stuff is to go and you know, take action. Because if you don't take action, then you just, yeah. you know, what's the point, right? Exactly. I'm curious how you got people to sign up. Did you, would you just email a list or did you run some ads? I'm guessing that would be, that would also make sense running ads to the webinar sign up. Yeah, uh, depending on like what kind of webinar it was. So if we were doing a partner webinar with another influencer, it would usually just, we would actually write the email copy and in the webinar, the influencer would email those that are copy out to their list. So we'd be like, hey, you know, send these three emails on this date, on these days. Um, and the, the influencer would just like throw that into their email. And that's how we can sign up. This might be a touchy sh- subject, but in terms of the influencers, some of them are, they have great you know, following, but they're bad at presenting. <laughs> so how, how did you make sure the quality was there? Did you test them out first or make sure that they had pre- uh, webinar experience? Yeah, yeah. We usually like we, you know, we'd get on calls with them beforehand, right. and we sort of like you know test it out. Sometimes they didn't, but at the same time, during these webinars, it was mostly us doing the presentation, right? Like right. the influencer would just be on there, right. um, and so they wouldn't have to present anything. And I would at times like just you know bring them in, and and you know there would be a bit of banter between me and them, just like to make it you know light and funny and humorous. 
Um, and sometimes they would make comments like, oh my God, that was, that's such a great idea. Or, oh my God, you guys, this platform is awesome. You should yeah. totally get it just to support. Um, but yeah. I never thought about it that way. It's also less pressure for the influencer, right? Because they are busy. They don't have to create extra slides. You know, you're just, you just involve them in the conversation in, in the whole webinar. Yeah, exactly. Like the, one of the reasons that it was, uh, they would accept to do these webinars is because there was no work for them to do. <laughs> we would set everything up, right? We would set up, set up the, the, the systems, the webinar software, the landing page, the email. Uh, the, uh, we would write the emails for them to send out. So like they, they just, all they had was copy paste. Uh, we would do the, we would have, we set up the whole presentation. We would run the presentation. So yeah, it was basically all they had to do was copy paste some emails and then just show up on the day and say, That's cool. Hi. The other thing that I have uh, a question about is what's in it for the influencer? Do, do you share leads with them? Do you, you know, I'm guessing you don't pay them or is it just more like a branding thing? It's like, oh, you're, you're doing a webinar with Thinkific, which is this big platform. Yeah, it was, um, for them, it was, there was uh, a monetary uh, sort of component, right? It was affiliate income, basically, for anyone who came through that webinar and bought the software. So that was it for them. Um, we also did webinars with like other software partners. And for, for oh. those, it was kind of like a sort of a lead share kind of thing, right? Like we would promote their webinar, they would promote our webinar. So it's yeah, just like, totally makes sense. Have you been doing webinars with you know some of your other clients, or you know that's like you said, it's it's like oversaturated at this moment because of the pandemic. Yeah, I have. I've done. I've done webinars with uh, a few other clients. Again, depends on kind of like that initial my framework process, right? Like if I determine that webinars that are good, are good for this particular client, then that's something that will suggest. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's it's not right. So. Mm. Outside of webinars, you know, what are your favorite go channels at this moment? Uh, you know, what are you like? Oh man, this is this this is working out, and it, it, I guess it really depends on the industry as well. But like, what are some things that you're seeing working uh, at this moment? Yeah, I think um, across across all the companies I work with, regardless of industries, I've always found like ads to be very mm-hmm. good, um, especially now during the pandemic, where like a lot of advertisers have stopped advertising. Yeah. Takes are cheaper and, and so so on. Uh, so ads are very good. And um, I know people are like, oh my God, it's too expensive, yada, yada. Um, but there are, there are certain ways to do it where you can like, it, it's actually very profitable for you. Um, so as long as you're getting like, it also depends on how much you're charging for your software and like, you know, mm. lifetime value and all that. But there's, there are ways to set up ads where it's super profitable. Um, and I've, I've done it at like multiple companies and then content also just cause you know, that's something that I've always been doing yeah. for a long time. So I'm very good at that. And I've always found that, you know, a really good content piece can help you rank well and you can get like a lot of traffic upfront as well. If you, you know, if you know how to promote that content piece. That totally makes sense. Uh, are there any growth channels that you're like looking out, looking out, you know, I talked about TikTok. I'm not sure if that's the thing that you're watching out. What are, what are, upcoming growth channels that people should should be aware of there was this uh, there was a bit of a, a trend and I, I think it's probably still going on of like virtual summits right so it's kind of like basically you're getting a whole bunch of different people or softwares to pool resources and promote that summit and with those like if you do do it well you could get like thousands tens of thousands mm-hmm. of like leads right um so that's something that i've um uh, I think it's an interesting one. I don't think people are doing it enough. I, I, I think there could, there could still be more room for that to go. 
Mm. Some of us are like webinars on drugs, essentially, right? It's like basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd like to start wrapping up. You know, if you had one or two pieces of advice to to marketers about anything we've talked about, what would be those one or two pieces of advice for marketers? So, are, are these for like um, people who want to get into marketing, or are they like marketers who are joining a new company? These are just marketers who are working at a company right now. So, like you know, okay. you can talk about any about picking a channel or a scaling channel or uh, anything about growth or anything about marketing. Yeah, what what I would suggest then is it's always like do not underestimate the importance of understanding who the customer is. Uh, and getting very clear on on like you know who they are, where they are online, and what kind of information they're looking for, what channels they visit, that kind of thing. So, because that's going to be like really the the best way for you to generate new ideas for marketing experiments and projects and so on. Uh, the the second thing I would I, I would say is try not to think of each channel as a silo, but mm. you know the the best results come when you when you when you mix sort of channels, right? So, for example. Um, we would, when we were doing the webinars, right, we would, we wouldn't just like do the webinar, but we would create content around it. We would, we would create some ads around it. We would have other partners promote it as well. So we would try to maximize that thing. And even like, you know, like content, right. We wouldn't just publish a blog post, but we would put ads behind it. We would get our partners to promote it. Um, we would just put it out on, on other channels as well. So when you mix and match channels, that's when you, and when you have like a cohesive sort of strategy, that's when you really start to see good results. Oh, that's a good piece of advice. And final question, where can people find out more about you? You know, this is your time for a call to action. Do you want to, you want them to follow you on Twitter, go to your website, go to LinkedIn? Yeah, check out my website. I've written some content around my framework for, for the, this, this framework that I described on finding growth channels, but also uh, my framework for advertising. So mm. uh, how to set up really profitable ad campaigns. And I'll be creating, uh, you know, writing more about my different frameworks and playbooks for various channels. And my templates are all on there as well uh, for, for you know, this framework. So it's sidbarath.com, S-I-D-B-H-A-R-A-T-H.com. All right, we'll do. I'll add that in the links and, you know, I'll make sure to add your Twitter and LinkedIn as well if you want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks for your, for your time. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, man. It was great to be on here. That's it for this episode. I want to remind you that Sid dropped so much tips and he laid out his five-step framework to helping you figure out your growth channels. You can download my notes right now for free in my one-page growth cheat sheet at growthtoday.fm forward slash 110. Download it now before it goes away because I take it away after I publish the next episode which is seven days from when I published this episode. Go get it now. You can find that link in the description as well. I also want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now, these folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts like Sid on the show so that you can listen to this for free. Thanks to 42 Agency. I know the founder of this company. His name is Camille. Now, he knows his stuff. He works with high-growth B2B SaaS companies helping them build and scale revenue and marketing operations that help accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. You can learn more and actually he has an offer of $500 in free consulting time. You can visit them today at growtoday.fm forward slash 42. That's 42. Growtoday.fm forward slash 42 or find the link in the description. 
please also support me. There's three easy ways if you've been enjoying this podcast. First, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts so other people can find out more about this show. I'd really appreciate that. Second, you can share a quote on Twitter or LinkedIn or tell a friend about this podcast. That's how podcasts go. And third, you can join the Grow Today mailing list and you'll get each cheat sheets directly emailed to you so you don't have to keep on downloading it every single week. I'll also tell you who my next guests are and you can ask questions to them via email. Well, that's it for this episode. Until the next one, this is your host, Family John. Keep safe and as always, keep on growing. Passion, passion.